0: All right, here we go. Welcome to the Teaching a Rockstar podcast. What are you laughing at already? (laughs) We can't even get started with you. All right, on today's show, we have the lovely, the talented, the vivacious, and pretty cool, Veronica Triplett. All right. Now some of you know Veronica. You don't know that you know her, but you know her is cause, um, you've seen the show, man. You've been on the road and, and Veronica has been on the road with me and maybe you have come to an event and she was there greeting you at the door, getting people signed in. She might have sold you a shirt or two. And, um, and she is awesome. She's one of my favorite people on the planet. Now let me tell you why she's on the show. She's not a, um, she's not, she's not in a classroom. She's not teaching, but here's what I, here's what I love. And I think is so valuable for what we do here is that I think. you know, when you're on the road together, man, you have time to talk and share and, um, you know, crack jokes. And, and, you know, I do remember some of our conversations, not many, but I remember some revolving around school and her experience. And it's very different than the typical educator experience. And oftentimes as teachers, Man, like we all share the same experience where we're in the classroom and we're in, you know, and we, we can all remember back and we had these amazing memories of, you know, our mom packing us a lunch and writing a note on the napkin. And, you know, we had a special outfit just for field day that year and we loved our teachers and things were amazing. And then there was scouting and you were involved in stuff in junior high and you sang in the choir and you're on student council and you're an eighth grade class representative or you're an athlete and then you go to high school and it's still amazing. And you're. You're hanging out with people that are just like you that are loving this whole thing and they're involved and you think I'm going to be a teacher and you go back into the classroom because that's that's where your fun place was and you loved it and it's often it's often harder to remember that there are kids out there that that is not their experience and is not their reality and the last thing they would ever consider doing is going back for more <laughs> <laughs> of what they went through in school. And I'm not saying that. I mean, listen, man, that might be, honestly, based on what I know, that might be um, that, that might be close to half. If not, the majority of people would never consider re-experiencing anything that has to do with formal education in a public school. All right, so that's why we're here. We're going to get to the story. We're going to get to the bottom of it all. Here we go. Teaching a Rockstar podcast. Veronica, get down, triplet. Let's do this. All right. Before we get started, I need a commitment from you. And here it is: whatever nasty things you want to say about me, whatever just repulsive insults that you're going to say about me, just do it now and get it out of the way. Because I know that's one of your favorite things to do in life.
1: I'm I'm good. I'm good. I've I've centered myself. I'm ready.
0: You're sure you don't want to call me any names?
1: No, I'm ready.
0: All right. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) because I do know like even you and Georgia, even you and the wife, when you text back and forth, when you were on the road, you had little code words. Tater tot is in the basket.
1: (laughs) She still calls you tater tot. (laughs) (laughs) She does. She
0: refers to me now because of you as tater tot. I don't know. It's insulting. It may be funny. (laughs) Hey man, go back, think about all the way back when you were in, um, when you were in elementary school, go like, go back. I want you to go back to when you remember in elementary school, what was, when you can go back in your mind, what was the funnest, um, uh, most enjoyable, peaceful loving time that you ever had in school? Is there a time?
1: Uh, Oh, that's, uh, that's a good one. I think it is just elementary school. Like, uh, I had this uh teacher, Mrs. Wang, and she had like the <laughs> she had the best class. It was just like it was like a family, you know, and it was always fun and all and um everything was really creative. So mm. I guess art classes, like all the like that was always my safe space. Yeah. Because it was always the weirdos and the, you know, there was always the teacher was always a little wacky, so I felt a little bit more at home and then um something about any type of creativity. Um, it was the one thing I was really, really good at. So it was where I got all my accolades. So like, you know, even though like the rest of it was shit, like I would go to art class and I would get like first place ribbon. Yeah. Except for this one time that this girl, Vanessa, she copied my picture and she got first place, but it was my idea.
0: Come on. Yeah. Vanessa did that.
1: And now I can't stand the name Vanessa. Every time I hear it. I'm like, Vanessa. It's
0: like a- so the poor waitress shows up when you're at Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Vanessa. I'll be serving you. Oh, you. Vanessa's
1: just a poor excuse for Veronica.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so, and um, that's so funny. It's like the details that people remember from, uh, from element. like you still remember the girl's name. <laughs> <laughs> what was the picture?
1: Uh it was uh it was like earth day and it was uh two kids on a playground and they were putting trash from the playground into recycling bins.
0: Uh-huh. And then she stole that idea.
1: Yeah, she totally drew the exact same picture. It wasn't even as good as mine.
0: Because that is such an original idea. No one else other than you would ever come up with that. Genius. <laughs> <laughs> I was robbed, <laughs> and so you're right, man. There's uh, the, when I when I show up at a school, like I look out and I can always spot I can always spot like the one elementary art teacher because they always got the big jewelry on, like big. There's like four big giraffes around the neck on some necklace they picked up on. At a you know, oh
1: yeah, totally. That was that's like every art teacher I ever had.
0: Yeah. All right, so so in elementary school, um, things were good.
1: How? No, no. No, but I had a lot of stuff going on at home. I was um in and out of like uh some like trials and depositions. So school was like a it was a safe place, but at the same time I I was really distracted. Like I had I was I had to grow up a lot faster than the other kids, so I still felt really disconnected. Yeah. So like even though there were periods that were fun, like I could not I had it was hard for me to relate, you know, like
0: trials and depositions about what
1: uh, I was going through a molestation trial,
0: and so, so when you were in third grade, there's Vanessa and her friends are talking about what are you going to bring at the birthday party? We're going to be balloons, mm-hmm. and you're thinking about your trials. Right. And-
1: I'm going to have to go sit in front of lawyers and and talk and like have them treat me like I'm a liar, and I'm in second grade, yeah, you know, third grade, and you know go sit in, in courtrooms and deal with police officers and all of this stuff. And it's a process that took years, you know.
0: Man, I'm wondering if you even know, do you think your teachers at the time knew anything about this?
1: They didn't. And there was a point where one of my second grade teacher, Mrs. Clark, I'll never forget her, she uh, she caught on that something was going on because I was absent. So she called my mom in and was uh, getting on to my mom about always having me out of school and that she shouldn't be doing that. and. My mom told, ended up telling her, and yeah. then the way that she treated me completely changed. And I remember second grade uh, was in Dallas. It was like uh, that was one of the better school years I had because Mrs. Clark was amazing. She really supported me. She didn't make me feel bad because I had to be out of class. She didn't make me feel any different, you know. So every time I would you know miss two or three days, the minute I got in, she had all my work ready for me, and she just reintegrated me back into class. So. That was probably one of my easiest uh, elementary school years.
0: Yeah. You know, there's this big thing. There's kind of this um, wave, this this ideology among teachers where, you know, this whole concept is like, don't tell me this kid's background. Like, I want this kid to start with a clean slate in my room. And like, I can see where they're coming from. Maybe it's a kid's behavioral issue, but not for me, man. Like, I want to know the stuff. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. not that I'm going it, to it, it, it treat them. Yes, I'm going to treat them differently. Yes, Because, but not in a bad way. Like I really want to have to know so I can support this kid. Even if this kid was a behavioral problem, I I know that there's a reason for that. You know, let me explore that. Let me get to know this kid so we can figure out what that motivating you know, issue is behind those negative emotions that they're displaying in the classroom.
1: Right, and because she knew, it gave me a sense. Like I had a sense of normalcy to my life whenever I was at school. (laughs) Did you know she knew?
0: Did your mom tell you that she told her?
1: No, I found out um, whenever we moved to Houston. uh, It was at the end of second grade, and whenever I left, uh, she gave me a big hug and she, you know, wished me luck. And you know, she was so she. We had a talk, and she was really. She said that she was really sorry I had to go through everything that I did, and she, you know, wished the best for me and everything. That was the moment that I realized that. Mm. she knew what was going on.
0: And that's a cool experience because like you now, then you knew that she knew and she loved you anyway.
1: Yeah. And it made me feel like I wasn't being supported because I was different. It just made me feel like, you know, she was like just making sure that like, you know, I was continuing to be a part of the class. Cause that was the problem is I felt so different. I needed a place where I didn't feel different. I needed to like, feel like I was a part of whatever was going on. You know, that was the same class that Vanessa stole my idea. (laughs) <laughs> but it was little things like that like those are the things that i needed in like at that point in my childhood just to feel normal for a second and it was when i walked into the classroom and i was around all the other kids and you know i was able to do my work and make yeah. art
0: and, you know and because you know like going home man like even though even if there was not a mention of what was happening in your life and the courtroom and all that it was still in the air it was still in the the vibe we could feel it in the room
1: oh yeah totally
0: yeah but that, so, so that classroom became, you know, I love the fact that you were the family because we talk about that all the time. Like that is the point of the classroom. Like we really can create that. And I know people think, you know, because if I had, you know, I've had really unique experiences in the classroom, whether, you know, I was doing pals and team leadership and these kind of mentoring programs or as a band director, but it can happen in any classroom, whether it's art or physics, you know, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter. You really, I mean, and that's the thing, man, those kids crave it. Cause what I always say, like, you obviously had some extreme circumstances but there's other kids without those extreme they they live in a normal looks like a normal house with normal parents but you know what that doesn't mean they're not being ignored
1: yeah or they don't have support or yeah, like you know no something's going on them. and they don't have coping skills you know
0: yeah and so that with all that of your life with the with the court and the depositions and the trials, how long did that last? Did that go on for a couple of years, or was it a months or what?
1: Uh, it was a it was a couple of years because we went to trial and couldn't do trial, so we had to go to a civil suit, and then the civil suit was really horrible. And then uh, we, lo- uh, we lost because he had a lot of money and really you know really powerful lawyers, and he was a pillar of the community and everything. So then you know. Then we're in Houston and living in poverty and recovering from you know def- you know it's pretty much defeat like you've spent you know you know these two years of your life trying to do this thing, and then it doesn't it doesn't work out I mean we've got one person in jail, but then the the main person like, yeah
0: you know. so it's all the time, all the emotion and all the money
1: and then my mom is gone, like she has to work yeah like she's she's totally gone, so we're super young and we're alone. And
0: who's, who's
1: we? Uh, me and my brother.
0: Okay, so you guys are alone. Right. Here in Houston, new, house, new friends, new everything, new world, new school,
1: right. new teachers, trying
0: to, trying to get it all together.
1: And we went from living in rel- like relatively comfortably to living in absolute poverty. And then still having to act like everything's fine and normal because it's not something you tell you know, I'm, you know, you don't walk into school and you're like, "Hey guys, you know."
0: We just lost a suit. We lost right. everything. We're living in poverty. Lost a
1: molestation suit. <laughs> living in poverty. No big deal. Broken family.
0: <laughs> What's for <the> lunch? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, free lunch. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna <Yeah>. be great.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so at this age, is, is this still is this still elementary school? Yeah. Yeah, and then so what grade did you move from Dallas to Houston?
1: I started third grade here in Houston.
0: All right. So did you guys move to get away from it all, or or what? What was the deal? Or just because of uh, poor,
1: I, I think that it was part, to get away from it all. I think my mom got a job yeah. here.
0: And uh, when when you guys moved here, did you um, you know, and you're in poverty, you know, I always, you know, I see these uh, people on TV talk about, them and man, we didn't even know we were poor, and we just, but you knew it, like,
1: oh no, we knew we were poor,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, this is like cockroaches crawling over you at night, and like it was like yeah. really bad.
0: And the new school that you went to was uh, were, like demographically uh, you in terms of the families and the community was it like where you're going Dallas or was it, like a whole different population?
1: Um it was actually uh it was actually a nice school. It uh-huh. was um uh it was in Spring. So it was it was uh, when Spring had like A rated schools. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this is so uh, this is back in what 90s? Uh-huh. 80s? 90s. 90s. Yeah, Yeah, 90s. And so, and so it was in spring and it's in the 90s and spring, Texas. And when you show up for school, uh, man, I can't even imagine. Like, because it's like, you know, there's this vision. I remember when we were traveling one time and there's a kid and that the parents are waiting in line to for the ticket and to check the baggage at the airport and there's this kid and it's a little girl and she's trying she was trying she wants to move the bags by herself i still have this vision in my mind because it was such a metaphor for kids going to school like she has i mean there's maybe four or five suitcases and she has backpacks hanging and she's probably eight and she's trying to manage it and like that's exactly what so many kids are in school you just can't see the baggage like just Mm -hmm. so much stuff they're carrying to school and we just can't see it and like that's what you have going on. You're go. You're showing up at school, and like they can't see all that you're dealing with, and you're just keeping it inside. Is that right?
1: Yeah. And you know that's the it, that's where the the bullying comes in. You know, it's like it, I'm totally different. You know, like yeah. I'm, I'm not wearing. Uh, I'm wearing like thrift store clothes that don't match because you know, like no one's dressing me in the morning. You know, and like the the kids are horrible around. The, like I feel like there was a shift. Like second grade was great. And then third grade was, I it was miserable. And then it just got worse and worse and worse. Like all right,
0: so <laughs> man, there's something about this, and I it's some weird kind of I don't know what part of the psychology where this in lies in human nature, but it's almost as if at that at that age is like kids can sniff out the victim, like that's the, they could, and it's true at the time, like you've already been a victim, yeah, and they can see something's amiss, like something's wrong. And just the posture and everything, because you feel defeated. You've been violated. You've been hurt and crushed. And people didn't believe you. And and it's it's almost like like that's the one we're gonna pick on.
1: Yeah. And then they just hook in, and then it's just like this like mob mentality. Like you just become like the other, and you're like the perfect punching bag for everything. Yeah.
0: What was it like? Like um, like what kind of stuff? What they say? What were they doing?
1: Uh uh well there was the fat stuff you know like uh girls got so many biscuits they just want to butter them like at the time like now i think of that statement and it's like it doesn't even make any sense but whenever i was a kid it was just like it was horrible and you know like fatty and like uh you got holes in your shoes and uh got all kinds of stuff it was uh I'm just trying to remember like some of it, like I just remember like the, the general impression of it was just like, you know, just a constant barrage of like, of insults, you know, it's like people couldn't communicate on like a level where you're a human being. It was, you know, it was always like structured around this, like um, how, like, how can I build this up so that I can break her down <laughs> Yeah, and then look really cool with all, you know, in front of all of my friends. And I like I wore a key around my neck because you know that was the key to the house because my mom wasn't home whenever I would get home, and they'd make fun of that, you know it's like I've got my jewelry on, and
0: yeah you know. it's it's completely ridiculous, right? yeah, looking back, but at the time, like I think sometimes like that's the thing, like we forget about you know where that kid is in the child's mind, because you know like right now uh, uh, most adults like i can't, i cannot I can't be bullied like right now. Yeah, There's no way because <laughs> I just don't care enough. Yeah. Like I respect, like, I just, like, cause for me to, to care what I, you think, <laughs> like I first have to know you <laughs> and then, and then I have to like you. Then I have to respect you. I mean, it's a long way to go. So they could say the most horrible thing about me. And I promise you it wouldn't even affect me in the tiniest bit, but as a child, everything affects you.
1: Well, and that's what I think about is so funny about being an adult now is that, like, whenever I look back on all this stuff, um, I mean, yeah, sure. I wish that you know I could have had a a really great childhood, but I like I look at the adult that I've become, and it really takes a lot at this point to like make me sideways. I'm like, you can do like really, you can you can call me whatever you want, and I'm gonna be like, whatever. That's (laughs) totally fine. You are like you are you really are living a dark life. I'm sorry for you. Yeah, you know, and I don't think I would have been that way if I hadn't gone through all of that stuff. Like, I think I I don't think that I'd be the you know. Be able to cope with life the way that I do now, if I hadn't had such a horrifying childhood, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like it, it really puts things in a crazy perspective. Yeah, like
1: oh, and I had a good therapist too, so that like really h- that has helped along the way. Like I'm not, I didn't get dumped into adulthood with no like coping skills. So. Yeah.
0: Did you now? When when you were in, in elementary uh, school, were you receiving any kind of psychological services? Did the school have counselors meeting with you or anything going on?
1: I didn't have a school counselor, but um, I was I uh got a, um, I don't know what it is, like a, a subsidized counselor through mm-hmm. the state. And I got the most amazing counselor. She was so cool, uh, Susan Brown. And uh, she was incredible. I saw her once a week, and she's like the whole reason that I'm sane. Really? The sane-ish. And yeah. She was the best.
0: Do you, do you still keep in touch with her?
1: No, but I think about her uh, every once in a I, while. I wonder
0: like, if there's a way we could find her. That'd be cool.
1: I, I, think, I wonder if that is... Uh, I should look her up. I guess I haven't thought about it.
0: Because, <laughs> like, that's the whole thing of those people that, like, those people that do that work where she could go into private practice and make 250 an hour. Mm-hmm. But there she is going to your you know, Roche Motel in spring to a, a kid in poverty because she really wants to make a difference. Yeah. And just to, and I know she knows, but there's something about being affirmed and hearing it verbally from the person. It's a life changer, man.
1: Yeah, she totally changed my life. I don't think that I, I would have made it through childhood without her. She was she was great.
0: Would she come to your house or or, or did they pull you out of class in school?
1: Uh we would go uh once a week to her office. Really? Yeah. Oh. We would get a donut, which was the best thing ever. Yeah. And then we'd go to her office and we had, she her favorite flower was Brown Susan's and they, they grew outside of her office and her she was Susan Brown. Yeah. Like, oh my god, it's so magical. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Flower named after her. That's awesome, and so this when um, this um, uh, if I know anything about kids, um, when things leave from third grade to fourth to fifth, things are getting intense in terms of bullying in fifth, and then the junior high it's out of control. Did it did it did it progress the whole way through?
1: Yeah, and uh, there was a market drop in my grades too. I was uh, I was like straight A's, straight A's on a roll, everything, and then middle school started and the bullying accelerated. Yeah, it got really bad. And that's when um, things started to drop off, and then I just I, I just stopped caring. Like yeah. before, I was like really excited about reading, and it was like really excited about you know about learning. And then there was a point where I was just so awful that I was just like, okay, I'm I have completely just checked out. Yep.
0: And then and when and when you say was and this is also in spring, mm-hmm. and this um and and things are getting worse. And here's I'm always wondering, do you think that those educators and administrators in that school looking, but I know it's hard because in sixth grade, it's hard to wrap your head around what they. but like, do you think they knew? Like,
1: you no, think? the only person who knew was my art teacher and uh, she would let me stay after school and um, like just work on projects until she was, until she had to go home. So yeah. it was like, she was, the only, she was the only person who kind of understood, like she didn't really know exactly what was going on, but I think she had a sense that like, I was having a really hard time and did not want to go home. And like, there was nothing at home. So she would just let me hang out and like work on my like, you know, clay project or whatever. And mm-hmm. she eventually like gave me a key so I could like lock up and, and leave whenever I was done. Locked to school. <laughs>
0: Here's a code of the alarm of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so then, then um, when when you saying things were horrible and got worse in junior high, like like what was happening, like what kind of bullying, still the name calling and the, all that stuff. Yeah,
1: was, uh, name calling is mostly around like weight and the way I dressed.
0: Yeah. And um and that's the thing, man, because when you live in poverty, like, however you dress, that's just what you have. Yeah. And also the weight issue, that's a huge part of poverty because the food that is available at that price, that's what happens.
1: And I was, you know, that's that was the only pleasure, really, that I had at home. So, like, food is a coping mechanism. And then um, there's, like, no one to tell – like, no one is explaining to me that, like, you know, I need to exercise or – you know, get out. And then on top, you know, I'm depressed. So I'm, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go outside. I just want to like yeah. sit on the couch and watch TV, you know? Cause I mean, there's just like, life doesn't have a lot of sparkle to it. It's not this magical enchanted childhood place. Like, you know, yeah, it's, it's a really dark place.
0: <laughs> Did you have friends?
1: Um, Yeah, I had some friends, not a lot. I think uh high school is when I really started to get I'm good friends. I think I had maybe like uh two or three
0: in in junior high. Yeah. And do you think that they were also um were they also kids like in your same circumstances having a hard time financially and
1: No, I think it was just like like you know kind of the awkward weirdos. Yeah. Like, you know. Kind of nerdy.
0: Mhm. I get it. And then uh, uh, did you have um outside of the art teacher Looking back, do you think that she came to you, or did you kind of go to her like like who initiated that relationship where she was gonna serve as kind of the safe space and with protect her and
1: she did she was uh she was like this like ultimate mom figure she just kind of like there was uh there was probably like four of us that she really just kind of like looked after and kind of took care of you know yeah, her she was list. just like really loving like really loving, you yeah. know, but not in a way where it felt like a you know, looking back on it, I don't feel like she was, like, really going too far out of her way. It was just in the way that, like, she, like, spoke to us and, like, kind of checked in and then did the little things, like, you know, let, you know, let a couple of us, like, kind of, like, hang like, hang a little longer in the evening and stuff as long as, you know, we were. It was kind of the, one of those things where we were really respectful of her space. Like, we were in the office, like, in her in her business, like, interrupting her or anything. She, yeah. It was more like she was just holding space for us.
0: You know, I think that's a, that's a, that's one of the things we always talk about is, you know, we have this kind of this concept, man, if I'm really going to help this kid and mentor this kid and change this kid's life, it takes some sort of monumental effort and this really, you know, intense, thought out strategic plan when really it's just doing a couple of nice things consistently.
1: Yeah. It, it, she was, you know, I'll never, I will never forget her for that reason. Like she was, she was there without like. Just there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that like that is just a huge part of it, just providing a space for a kid that has no nothing and nowhere and no one. And then at home, I mean, you know, what was happening there with your with your mom? She's still grinding in and out trying to make money and working and yeah, trying work. to put the family back together?
1: Working a ton. Just like mm-hmm. and, you know, looking back on it, I can totally understand like to, to pay the bills, like she had to work. So Yeah. And to work you can't you aren't at home.
0: Yeah, and at the time, I know she's had a, a few different careers. But what was her What was her kind of line of work at this point?
1: A uh, Labor salesperson. Yeah, just like kind of do retail. Industrial labor.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and so was was uh, was she participating at this point? Was she able to participate in your education? Was she doing the open house and meeting teachers and checking in? And oh no, none of that. Just <laughs> no, with, just she, did, she didn't
1: go to plays. Like she didn't meet with teachers. She didn't. She had like zero time for it. Yeah. Like she would show up if I had really gotten in trouble and missed too much school, to mm. so, like kind of calm things down, so that like guess you you get a fine or something. You get in trouble if yep. your kid's truant, so then she'd be like, "Oh God, I'm going to get in trouble," so she right. go fix it. But
0: yeah, and, and and your art teacher, you know, and one thing we will get to, we haven't talked about it um, yet, but like you, you've had some success in the art world and celebrated. And Does do do any of your art teachers from school know about that?
1: I don't no, I don't think so. Huh. It's interesting to talk to you because I haven't really tried to contact any of them. You know, I think of, you know. I think about them every so often, but I, you know, I've never tried to like find one of them.
0: Yeah. Now, when I uh, listen, you know, I talk to thousands of teachers every year, and um, when we're hanging out, chatting in the hallway, or having coffee, or whatever, like at the break, and um, like they want to share a story, nine times out of ten, it's a it's a story about a student that contacted them and you know, and which is interesting cuz like in the real life like in their current life the present life there's a m- a magical amazing shit happening constantly but the ones that really matter is for some reason it's 20 years later and a kid friended me up on Facebook and sent me this you know paragraph and they still they have a screenshot of it and they read it to me and i think what that is man it's like um you know, in this teaching business, there's really no evidence that it's working. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we have all the data and we see and like we can see test scores. But when but deep down inside, no teacher really cares about like yeah, we want the kid to know science. Yeah, for sure. We want the kid to pass the end of course exam. We want the kid to do great on the star test, whatever. And we can see that data, but that's not really why we're there. We're there to make an impact and change that kid's life, and there's no data for that.
1: I think a lot about that, uh, uh, all the shows i've sat through <laughs> that the chart sat through <laughs> <laughs> suffered through <laughs> <laughs> the uh the chart that you have what you know where you're talking about like you know the, the your it's not about the the change at that moment it's about the incremental change over time yeah, the from 10%. that one thing yeah. and whenever i think about these people and the influence that they've had on my life i i didn't see it at the time and i didn't understand it you yeah. know i just knew that you know like they were providing me like what i needed to just survive at the time. But over the course of years, the influence of that has, it's huge. It's like, it's a monumental influence on my life. Like the person that I am today is directly shaped by these tiny actions from these people at that time, whenever I needed it the most, they did not know. They didn't know what they were doing for me, you know, but like now, whenever I think back, like there were a lot of times that, you know, like I was suicidal or like I was having, The worst day of my life and just, you know, being able to, like, hang out after class and work on my stupid horse sculpture for 45 minutes and not have to go home. Like, that was enough to, like, get me through one more day. Yep. And just surviving that time in my life, now I get to enjoy this incredible adulthood that's super fun and I have tons of friends and I've done a, a zillion things, you know? Yeah. But it was just surviving that, like, gap where I was, you know... A really like they' been struggling like this kid that was struggling and just trying to make it through
0: that's the thing like we um you're right It's it's, it's, it's not even it's not that it's noticeable it's imperceptible like you can't you can't even notice it because it's so minuscule in the grand scheme of the day where it it could be a conversation, it could be a look that you give a kid, it could be forty five minutes yes I got work to do go do your horse sculpture whatever i like where do I care? <laughs> yeah,
1: totally. it seems like
0: nothing. But that's the deal because like, so that now what we talk about is like, now that kid is on a different trajectory and we've increased, we've steepened the trajectory just that it's imperceptible. You can't even, you don't even, it won't even show up on a microscope, man. Mm. But that's the thing. Here we are, you know, 20 years later, 25 years, and this kid is in a whole different universe because that tiniest thing that was in noticeable it's amazing mm. and like that that's why it's so important that um it, i it's I, I think if if everybody could just do that just one go through a list of teachers find one and send them a note they're out there you know maybe not teaching anymore maybe you know work at the library or something but they're out there and just let them know because it makes the whole career worthwhile and 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 they think i didn't even know and what that does it expands their the possibility of the rest of the kids. This is just one that I didn't even know happened that could happen with lots more and it did.
1: Yeah, there's but that you know there's probably thousands thousands of kids who are just like like me who to think about their teachers all the time but like yeah haven't haven't reached out.
0: Yeah. And so when you went to um you went, you were in junior high and um went to academically this is where things were falling apart, you're just getting by, yeah you weren't trying no, but you but, were passing classes simply because you're smart enough to sit there and get a get a seventy
1: right, I was still making A's and well, no, I wasn't making seventies, I was making a's and b's, oh really, but I just wasn't trying,
0: okay, man, that's awesome, I was really trying to make making seventies. <laughs> Alright, and so you got to uh high school and then um in things you would get just I mean I got a few thousand people in the same building. There's gonna be other um kids that, like you where you can connect with and find each other. Hanging out by themselves in the corner.
1: <laughs> no, it was still really lonely, uh high school. Really? Yeah. I had I had more friends, but it was definitely still uh the school um
0: Still in spring.
1: Yeah, I was still in spring. So I, there,
0: it's a big at this point. It's like a big, it's big football things are happening, cheerleaders and band, and drill team, and all that. Dude, you know pep rally on Friday and and homecoming dances, all that's going on. Are you doing any of that?
1: No, no, I didn't go to any of the dances or any. You know, I didn't really do anything. I mostly just like took a ton of art classes. Yeah, and uh, really got into FFA for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, but then my home, like my home life, was really falling apart. Uh, my mom had gotten into a relationship and it was really abusive. So it got harder and harder to arrange to like, take care of my animal and uh, that eventually, you know, that fell apart. And then the teacher embarrassed me in front of the whole class and called me out for, you know, the, what was going on. Yeah. Like with the animal but didn't, didn't take the time to ask me if everything was okay. Instead he just like, he killed one of my chickens in front of class and then called me out for the condition of the chicken. And I was like, I didn't want to tell him, like, I, you know. Yeah. Hey, like, I can't find anyone to drive me over to take care of this chicken. Right. You know, like, I like I want to take care of the chicken. I don't, like, I'm just really alone right now. And I can't, I like, I have no, you know. Yep. I, I have no support on this. Like, and thanks for killing my chicken. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's like a really, very surreal. But.
0: uh Yeah. It's weird, isn't it?
1: That was the end of my FFA.
0: That's you know, that's the thing of um you know, it's it's so hard to remember. I can remember like um we, we there's so many programs in place where a kid'll get in trouble. Like I can remember even when my kid was um taking lessons, he um if you show if you were late for class, you you couldn't join class. Mm-hmm. Guess what? The re- the only reason my kid would ever be late for class is because of me or my wife. Yeah. We're his transportation. <laughs> So why why does he you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're thinking they're teaching him responsibility. And I think that like they so many and even at the high school, the, oftentimes that's the case. We think we're teaching the kid they need to be called out so they can learn the importance of responsibility not neglecting. Hey man, <laughs> I have every intention. I want to be responsible.
1: Right. I wanna I want to be I wanna be in this, it's fun. Yeah. But I'm having a really hard time. Like, like I, I just can't. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and so that and so that happened, and and then did that did that experience pretty much end the whole FFA?
1: I stopped showing up to class. I started spending class in the bathroom, and then I started getting in trouble for not showing up to class. So they started giving me extension center. Mm-hmm. So I was spending my days in extension center. It was really funny because what is that I, like
0: an in school suspension type thing?
1: Yeah, where you have to do class in a room with a bunch of people who are gangbangers, and then there's me. I'm a really, really nice person. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a good, I'm a good student at heart, you know. And I am spending my days in extension center, eating out of a a lunch out of a paper bag if I remembered my seventy five cents, and uh, having to ask permission to go to the bathroom. And I, they they would do the prison march to the bathroom. Yeah, and they would watch you when you went to the bathroom. Yeah, it was so crazy. I was like, I will <laughs> never forget that experience of being in. I'm like. Day in and day out, reporting to this like cement cell, and you're not you know it's like it's like uh like 24 hour confinement like you're not allowed out of the room at all during the right. school day at all. No
0: talk, in total silence. Yeah, no communication.
1: And then I uh, I got out of BC and was allowed to start going back to class. And then I was really depressed, so I was having a problem in the middle of the day, like I couldn't stay awake, so I kept falling asleep in this uh, in my geometry class. And this teacher was so mean. Like she would come over and like hold my head up and like tell the class that I was an example of somebody who like couldn't keep you know who uh, was lazy and disrespectful. And then was just like, I can't, I can't, I can't physically stay awake. I'm like a narco- I'm like a narcoleptic in this class. I could not stay yeah. awake, you know. And it was a symptom of being so depressed. I didn't know at the time what was going on. Sure, but that, it ended up that's what what it was. And then because. She kept like calling me out and embarrassing me in front of the whole class. Then I stopped going to that class. I started spending that class in the bathroom, and then FFA class got weird, and I started spending that class in the bathroom. That compounded, and then I ended up just like being an EC again. Yeah, and you know it was just like this crazy chain reaction. Yeah.
0: It's called. Back in the system, you're in the like your recidivism rate. Like, right. no,
1: it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, high school was the was the worst. I would go back and do mid, uh, middle school over and over and over again. High school was oh my god, miserable.
0: Uh, and so when when you're waking up in the morning, and you're thinking, here we go. I got bathroom and, and got, uh, you know like the worst thing that happened. You get caught and I have to go back to. The uh, the solitary confinement.
1: Well, I started like I just started showing up late to class. Like yeah. I would come in, I would I would miss my morning classes, show up for art, do all of my art classes, and uh, there was a uh, I think history in English. English was amazing. I really loved English. So I'd show up for English too, and uh, and then I'd leave.
0: Where'd you go? Just walk.
1: I I had I had a card. Yeah, I, I would just, like sneak out to the parking lot and wait for the security guard to do the round and then I'd escape. Go to Taco Bell.
0: This is your this is your day.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I figured out there was a convenience store that would sell me cigarettes, so I'd just like hang out at Taco Bell and smoke cigarettes. Whew, man. That and, was horrible.
0: <laughs> yeah. And this is um I'm thinking this is this is back in the days where did 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 attendance matter all that much back then? Like now, like if you miss six classes or something, you can't pass the class or did you, you have to make up hours? How, how were you doing that?
1: I uh, had to go to summer school and make up hours uh, yeah. at eight, uh, HCC. Uh-huh. Wait, no, it wasn't. Oh, it was the HCC Extension. It was at uh, I think Northline Mall. Yep, I remember. And I was in there with all the like the pregnant girls and you
0: know. And you and me, Taco Bell smoking. Like
1: still an out, Like this the like, the theme of it is always feeling like an outsider. You know, and, like still now you'd think that these would be my people. You know, because I'm a bad kid. Yeah, these are not my people. You know.
0: Yeah, and so this is rough, man. And um, when, as you're going through high school, at any at any point, are you thinking about like, like how do you get that GED thing?
1: <laughs> I did, um, but uh, there was a uh, there was a moment, and I got a letter from a school in Alaska that said the whales of Sitka Sound were calling me. <laughs> The whales? The whales of Sitka Sound were calling me. And it was the furthest away I could get from uh, Houston and still be in the U.S. And it was cold. Yeah. And I was like, that's it.
0: Hold on. So how old? Like, what grade are you in at this point?
1: Uh, I was, uh, was it junior?
0: All right. So you're in junior year, somewhere about there. And out of nowhere and you start getting mail from schools, right? Yeah. Like we all like kids do cuz they can, you're, on, you're on the list and uh and you get a letter from a school in Alaska <laughs> that and tells you that they they Veronica the reason we are calling you is because we keep hearing the name Veronica Coming from the whales out in the <laughs> sickest Sound,
1: like Veronica, come to us.
0: <laughs> and so you believe me. it, we're real. okay? Well, all right. The whales want me.
1: It was it was like this Eureka moment because it was this life that was so opposite from the life that I was leading. Because yeah. I feel like I'm I was living my life through other people through the TV. Like I was I was living my life on the couch, and I wanted to I wanted a radical life change. I wanted to live this life that I felt like. You know that I deserved. Like yeah, that I wanted something radically different from what I had been living because it was like this life was not me. It wasn't my life. This life that I was living, whenever I was in high school and middle school, like it was it was something that was it was forced on me. You know, this all of this was just forced on me. Like I was just surviving it, and yeah. I felt like that was like the beacon of hope. Like that was where I could go and like just go like change everything, you know, and, and find my people and like, find like what, like, like just find some joy, you know, like just get away from everything that was traumatic Yep, and just start over.
0: Yeah. And so in your mind, the ticket to Alaska was a, was a high school diploma.
1: Yeah. I had to get, cause they didn't, they didn't take SAT scores. So I knew I was cool. Yeah. <laughs> I just needed a high school diploma. right? You know, I was like, I just got to get there. It wasn't a super expensive school. It was like, I can totally, I could make this happen. And then, you know, like I, I I like kind of like shambled everything together and figured out what I had to do. And then right at the very end, I almost quit. And my mom, in her one shining moment... Grabbed me and sat me down, and she was like, "You are going to graduate, Veronica. I don't care what you have to do. You're going to go to summer school. You're going to get out. You're going to get that degree.
0: This is it. <laughs> Mom moment.
1: It totally worked.
0: Yeah. And so, um, and you and you figured out, and at the, well, at this point, man. I'm wondering, once you got that letter and you had this vision of Alaska and the whales talking to you and you're going to go up there, did, did you feel like there was a sense of purpose and like, did you feel motivated at this point? Like you had some drive or you just.
1: Yeah, there was something to look forward to that uh, that wasn't All right my day to day. So it, like whenever I was at school, I wasn't thinking about how much it sucked or like this guy's being, a you know, this guy's being mean to me or, you know, my friends are awful or whatever I was thinking about, you know, if I can make it through today and tomorrow and the day after I get to go to this magical land and live as a wilderness woman. Got it. Like it gave me a goal. It's the same thing now. Like I always have like something really cool and fun planned in the not so distant future. So no matter how crappy the day is, I'm like, I can just like two more weeks and like, you know, kayaking or.
0: All right, so you get the you uh you, you go to you somehow graduate.
1: I did, by the skin of my teeth. I didn't walk with my class or anything. I graduated quietly <laughs> at the Northline Mall,
0: <laughs> <laughs> among the pregnant Summer girls. Extension Center, yes. You, you and the newly moms, the recent moms,
1: yeah, surrounded by you know my people. <laughs> uh huh.
0: And so, uh, and and do, do you have money to get to Alaska at this point? Were you working? What are you doing?
1: I was working at PetSmart. As a dog bather, all right, and uh, I flew standby up there, which took a while. <laughs>
0: yeah, did you and you just like took a suitcase?
1: Yeah, I think I just had a big suitcase.
0: And you're flying to Alaska as an 18 year old kid. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, it was ready. And so you uh, pay, somehow put, 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 did you get a loan or how are you how are you gonna pay for school?
1: Yeah, um, we got loans and um, the government grant.
0: Okay, cool. You know. All right, and so you fly to Alaska and you get off the plane, and it's Alaska. And what do you do? How do you even navigate your life? You get a cab? How do you find out? How do you get oh, to it's this an
1: island? So, wait a minute,
0: <laughs> it's not even Alaska,
1: it's, it's an
0: island off of Alaska, it's
1: southeast Alaska, yeah. All right, it's Sitka, Alaska. So, I mean, that you know, you just catch a cab to the or no, they had a bus for the new students, so they just like had not a bus, it was like a van uh-huh. that came and picked you up.
0: All right, and so you go to school, and you're living in Alaska, and this is the craziest part, because you're, you're from Spring, Texas, yeah. outside of Houston, and you graduate from the North Line Mall, <laughs> and now you're in Alaska months later.
1: Here's the best part, though, is that I walk in, and the whole school is like 300 kids. Uh, They're all like me. <laughs> they all, all, every single one of them, has come there from some weird place because they wanted to get up as far away from wherever they were. Their life was from. right. But yeah.
0: What a genius marketing plan! They're just finding weirdos and send them letters around the nation, right. and they <laughs> all congregate those, together those, on an island. Those
1: alienated, right. saddest weirdos, and let's just.
0: Can we, you imagine the people of Sitka, Alaska probably sitting in their lawn chair waiting for the bus to go by? Look at that one. Okay.
1: <laughs> oh no, yeah. It was the, the It was the clear town. who students were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had a float in one of the parades and uh it was like a Sitka Day parade and they misspelled education on the float. Nice. <laughs> it was I with I was not involved in the writing of the uh, thing, but it
0: we, was At this point did you declare a major? Did you were you majoring in something? Or just uh, going to taking classes?
1: Outdoor recreation. Of course you were. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so good. So yeah. So you can just, you know, run a playground or whatever you're gonna do. Okay. And um, and so and were you working?
1: Uh no.
0: All right, so you're just going to school and yeah. having a blast. It was great. And and was this the first time in your life you're like, oh my
1: God, this is so good. Yeah, it was great. I loved it.
0: It's a whole different like this is a whole different life. Yeah. How long did it take um from when you arrived in Alaska to know that your life has completely changed? It's a whole different place. You can be you.
1: Oh, I didn't was, even I didn't even have to get to Alaska as the moment that I walked into the airport and I was leaving. Really? Because I didn't even care about school at that point. It was I was so excited to like leave and just start like a, a new sense life. of euphoria to get yeah. out of here. Like even if I failed at school, like just being away. Like yeah. I was like, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> this is the best thing that's ever happened to me.
0: Did people know you're going to go? like went back at school? Classmates or teachers, did they know you're you're, you're going to Alaska or did you just keep it on the down low?
1: No, they knew and everyone thought it was crazy. Yeah, good. Yeah. It was like, "Oh, it's the right decision."
0: <laughs> yeah. Perfect then. Where where are you going? Great, I'm going to Alaska. <laughs> you guys go there.
1: It's really far away. Don't visit me. It'll
0: be Yeah. Okay. And you get there and um and you it's now uh, you're, you're there in the fall? Yeah. And it's beautiful? Yeah. You've you've never seen anything like Have you yeah. ever traveled when you were a kid? Do you guys travel and go on trips to Alaska, Colorado, those places? No. So you're just blown away just by the nature of it all?
1: Yeah. Like there's like the, Stunning. Sa- the salmon are running and there's yeah. like a million bald eagles. And you go to the grocery store and there's like, there'll be like a killer whale swimming by. And it's like, no big deal. You're just like pushing your cart out to your car. Yeah. It was like so wild.
0: And then um, job What Would you you tell me Did you have a job at this point
1: No I didn't have a Just doing
0: class And then How how long How how long did you go to school there
1: Uh, I was there for three years
0: Three years And just going to school full time Living off the grant money And tuition And all those loans
1: And my mom had started a company At that time So there was There was a little more money So she was
0: Alright so your mom At this point Figured it out Financially with her work Yeah and she wasn't in retail or laboring or anything like that now she's got her own business happening and she, and it's working
1: right, so she was able to like you know wasn't a ton of money, but it was enough to like be you know be able to like yeah relax and yeah like, just enjoy being in school.
0: having a mom whose love language is sending you money that's I'm down with that
1: <laughs> I was pretty okay with <laughs> I'm it, okay
0: so, like, yeah, and then um. You're in your third year up there, and what did something change? You want to come home? You get homesick? You're just done?
1: No, um seasonal affective disorder. The darkness is really
0: uh say it again. Seasonal what?
1: Seasonal affective disorder because it gets so dark. This is something you just came up with right now. No, it's a real thing. It's That's called real... sad. That's <laughs> the acronym <laughs> for it because you like your body can't. Pro- uh, your body has a really hard time with the darkness because it can't get enough vitamin D. And I think I have heard about this. Your circadian rhythm gets really crazy. And yeah. Um, I was still dealing with uh like off and on dealing with depression and the um the uh the darkness made it a lot worse. And it was the third year was the year that it really hit me and I was like I I couldn't I just could not make it through the winter because it was messing with the way that I was sleeping. Like I could it was I was basically hibernating. It was really crazy.
0: I've also heard something about, you know, watching one of those cop shows or gay morning shows, something about like the just the tremendous the problem they have with alcohol during those times. Yeah. Because people are just trying to drink it away.
1: Yeah, these people just kind of – some people, like, love it. They don't care. Like, their body, they're just not affected by it. But I think living in Texas, you're just so used to sunshine all the time. Whenever I got up there, like, the excitement of being there carried me through two years. And then the third year was yeah, – my body was like – For real now. Yeah. Yeah. My body was like, oh, that, that full-spectrum light you bought's cute. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: funny. All right. And then um, some of your favorite, like looking back on it, like it, there, ha- I'm just thinking there had to be some amazing experiences you could not have got anywhere else. Yeah. It's just it, awesome.
1: Yeah, it was great. It was scuba diving and fly fishing and sea kayaking and backpacking. And I got a key to the art room. So we'd stay up until like six in the morning making art.
0: You're still doing art at this point. Yeah. And um, even though that's not your major, but you love right. it. Okay. Yeah. Keep an art on the side. Right. Uh huh, and then after three years you come back here, and then and, and here. Oh no, I didn't come back here. Where'd you go after three years?
1: I went to California. What? Do you, why? Oh, it was the Dark Ages. I met this guy, and it was my first love. And oh, followed a guy. Oh, it was horrible. He ended up shooting his wife. He was a bad, bad boyfriend.
0: Yeah, but at this point, um, let me ask you this, man is is this is it is it am I too far off in saying that? Um because of your childhood and lack of friends and the bullying that any relationship at all at this point that somebody even seemed to care about you want to be in a relationship, like you'll overlook a ton of stuff.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah, I consider this the uh, like the second dark ages where I was, <laughs> <laughs> I processed through my childhood yeah. stuff and then I had to deal with, you know. The adult stuff, yeah, you know that that comes along like the euphoria of freedom had worn off, and then I was like going back into repeating the patterns of my family. So I had to go through. It was like three years of, yeah, of uh, going to a really dark place and then coming back out of it.
0: Yeah, he wasn't cool.
1: No, he's really horrible.
0: (laughs) And um, he's in jail now. His prison. Yeah. Forever, I guess.
1: Oh yeah, probably. They might kill him. He might get the death penalty.
0: Hmm. Do you still follow the whole thing?
1: I've I've looked up some articles, but they haven't really updated it yeah. since the since his police standoff and
0: since the standoff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny at all. It's horrible. I didn't re- I didn't know until a a private investigator called me
0: for he, he working for
1: for him. They were looking for people to testify on his behalf, but she didn't tell me at, until after she had asked me all these questions, and I had nothing good to say about him. And she's like, "Well, do you know anybody that?" <laughs> she listed off this list that he had given her, and it right. was like I was like, "No, that guy wants to kill him, right. no, he stole things from that guy, you know, like no, probably not that guy
0: <laughs> oh my god, so you go so you go to California, are you doing art at this point? Just hanging out, what are you doing?
1: I'm going to Diablo Valley Community College and doing a lot of art
0: yeah all right now here's um here's what's interesting is that like you have this crazy childhood and and uh, you know, I don't want to say untraditional school experience because it's not—it's not far from a lot of kids, man. I think you have some extreme uh, circumstances that some kids don't have, but for a lot of kids, are miserable and they don't like it and they feel out of place and they don't want to be at the pep rally and I don't yeah. want—I don't want to wear a matching shirt with you. You know, they're, they're, its that kid. And um, but what is bizarre is how you've created this unbelievable, rich, full life full of um just interesting people and trips and places and you know what some people might consider once in a lifetime experiences you make that shit happen regularly
1: <laughs> well i think it's cuz my childhood was so like just like so contained and so dark like is it isn't, now that i have freedom and like financial freedom like my own my own money it's like you know every time I, you know, it's, I, I don't know. I, like Now I define my life by, by how like how much I can fit into it, you know. And I think because like all the worst things have already happened to me, I don't have any fear. Like I don't I'm not worried about losing everything or you know, I'm not worried about having to start over again. Like, if I decide to do something crazy and it leads to, like, the demise of my business and I lose my house, like, in my mind, it's not the end. I'm like, oh, well, you know, if What's that happens, then, <laughs> right. like, you know, maybe I start a new career and, like, maybe I could move to, you know, like, move to another city and, like, get a better house. You know, it, like, things don't feel like yeah they're, they're, they're going to be too bad because I've already lived the worst. So, I mean, it can't be any worse than that. And I survived that. Right. So, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's like a whole different perspective, man. I think it's hard for people to get that. Just not that they've had, you know, lived a privileged or sheltered life. I think it's just this: if the, when they had supportive people who cared about them and provided this path for them, they just stayed on the path. Yeah, and then and now they they went through school, and they went through college, and they got a job like they were told to do, and even in that's why I think we'll we'll find people in like this career they absolutely hate and they're miserable every day and they can't believe they have to sit in traffic in an hour and a half commute both ways, and they tolerate it and put up with it because they're terrified of of the of what could happen if they lost it. Yeah, we're like you don't care.
1: Yeah, I don't care. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like now I'm working the I have the best career ever. I love it so much. Yes and i just stumbled into it like because mm-hmm. i you know because i like lost my i lost my job and like i didn't know what to do and i needed a i needed a career and i couldn't work like gig jobs anymore yeah. and now it's it's just the best it's just like and it's because some, i had some failures
0: yeah that man we were just talking about that the other day man like the importance of the failure yeah, and that and important of the uh, the uncomfortable part of life. That's critical for ultimate happiness and success. Yeah. Like the ultimate happiness and success lies on the other side of the failure and the uncomfortable and the and all that stuff that just sucks. And oftentimes, man, when we stay on that path, you never veer off and find the un- the, the the uncomfortable parts, and you're just living a mediocre, miserable, tolerating life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, some some of your, let me ask you this, because I can't even remember. How did we, um how did we originally meet?
1: Oh, because you put a posting on Facebook because y'all needed a man who could lift 500 pounds and... uh. It was actually 50. <laughs> 50 pounds or whatever.
0: Yeah. And, and
1: had experience with like being an assistant or traveling. Travel. On the and I'm like, I travel all the time and I can lift, I can lead... Like press six hundred and twenty pounds. <laughs> I'll
0: pick up that dude. <laughs> i picked up your little man if I need to. I'll put him in the overhead. Right. That's right.
1: I'll be your nanny.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so hey, and so you saw a post on on the Facebooks or something. Is that, is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you call Georgia or, is it, or did you? I, I didn't know. I, fa- I Facebook Georgia. I don't even know how this works. And so um. Oh,
1: Mandy is the one who told me that Georgia had posted.
0: Mandylicious. Yeah. And, and then, then you know who was with me? Was it Matthew with me at the time? Yeah. Matthew Creche. Yeah. And did now, now, did you know Matthew?
1: Yeah, I had to go out on one trip with him. But
0: did you know him before you met him? Oh, no, I didn't know. Because everybody, he's every, I, everywhere I went with that guy, everybody Everyone knows that dude. And, um, and so, so you show up at the, with a, at a gig. Okay. All right. I remember you. It was, it was one here in Houston, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, it was. All right. I was here in Houston and you show up just to see if you could tolerate me. Mm-hmm. And basically, is what that was. Yeah. And then I remember within a few minutes, you insulted me probably six or seven times and made fun of me. Yeah. And I thought, well, I think nothing's I going to work.
1: Well, and the you know the important part was actually like whether or not I could follow all of George's instructions. All right. And I did. It was perfect.
0: So um, what people don't know is going on, on the road. There's a manual <laughs> on, how to, on, on how to nanny me. <laughs> it's long.
1: It's how to keep hell alive.
0: Yeah. It's long. It's probably twenty pages, thirty.
1: Yeah, four dedicated to peanuts. Yeah, four pages on just on peanuts alone.
0: <laughs> Make sure he chooses food. Oh, my God, so funny. All right, and so, uh, hey, here's the last thing I want you to talk about is um, tell me uh, some of the crazy, um, just some of the top experiences of your life. Because here's the thing, like, I mean, there was tons of suffering and just, I, I, like, there's no way anyone has never suffered that kind of treatment and bullying in, ele- in elementary and junior high and high school. They could even imagine what that's, how, how painful that is. Mm-hmm. And maybe even today, even more than ever, because the kid can't sit on the couch and get away from it because yeah. now it's on their phone. And just constant barrage of it all. And, but, you know, so that was painful. But talk about some of the, real quick, some of the most amazing experiences you've had. Because you, you've done some cool stuff, man.
1: Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, it's, I think scuba diving with the great white sharks, uh, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, spending uh six weeks studying black rhinos in Africa uh skydiving, getting my class A skydiver license that was really cool oh. uh learning how to fly a helicopter see <laughs>
0: uh- <laughs> Tell me some of the countries you've been to
1: oh god um Germany, I've been to Fiji, the Seychelles, tanzania, South Africa. Uh, Chile, Argentina, Peru, Colombia, Mexico, <laughs> uh, I've been to Japan, um, Iceland, Iceland. Yes. They took all my money. It's super expensive there. Oh my God. Yeah. Still paying that off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Italy, uh, Turkey.
0: Yeah. And then, um, there's more. <laughs> all right. Here is, um. Here, uh and then also, uh, you know, I'm just wondering, man, like, because you have some really good friends. Yeah. And, like, people that, that, like, deeply love you and, like, crazy committed, like, loyal friendship with you. And, like, I just wonder if, like, how that happens. That doesn't happen with me. I don't have any friends. But, like, I wonder, <laughs> like, if... um. Like, is it, is it the friendship that you nurtured and cultivated because you didn't have friends or like, how did that, how does that, or maybe because of your loyalty to them and how much you invest in the friendship that they invest that back? Like, I wonder what the, you ever thought about that?
1: Yeah. I think uh, a lot of it is, um, I got my first like super, super close friends in Alaska and the bond was because we were all kind of like escaping something. Yeah, So we had a lot in common. And then, you know, because because of that, then we really invested in the friendship because we had finally found, like, people that we could really connect with. And then when I moved to California, I moved into a household of people who um, really had had to build their families because a lot of queer uh, people who their families really shunned them. So they, they re- are amazing at building friend families. And that was my first encounter with that kind of idea of, like, choosing the people who are going to be your family, the people who are really going to hold you up and support you. And the, you know, those are some of the most long, like some of the friendships that have lasted the longest, like people I can just, I can call up today and they would, you know, yeah. Take me into their home and put me on their couch and, you know,
0: here's, um, here's one of my uh, favorite Veronica stories. I tell people is that I was at a uh, backyard. I think there was a, a 50 party. Like the ladies turned 50. The neighborhood and we're in our backyard, and Ian Moore's playing in her backyard, and her husband spent a fortune. We're having drinks, and my buddy's there, and um, we're talking about uh,
1: (laughs) oh, I know this story. (laughs) We're we're talking about
0: traveling, and he goes, Are you going on the road? I said, Yeah, and um, he's asking me, How do you do that, man? You know, and I, I was telling him, and I said, I have a um. Uh, A friend of mine travels with me, and he goes. uh, He goes, is it a guy? I said, no, it's a girl. He goes, your your wife lets a girl go out on the road? (laughs) I said yeah, man, we're just like in separate hotel rooms. Not like you know, and and she's super cool. My wife loves her, and we love her, and you know, and her name's Veronica. And he goes, stop, wait, what, who? (laughs) I go, Veronica. He goes, describe her to me. and I describe her and then he describes you physically and in, 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 you know and I said that sounds like her and he, and he goes and he goes man I just thought about her the other day I said why he goes man Veronica used to work for me in my office and he owns um, he kills bugs he's a bug killer and um, what do you call that Exterminate. Exterminate, right. <laughs> anyway, so um and he go, I said, well, well, he go, I go, she used to work today? He goes, Yeah, we just we were laughing about her yesterday. I go, why? He goes, because when she left, the, before she left, <laughs> she I don't know how many, but we've found a lot. She Xeroxed the, on the copy machine, she made a copy of her middle finger. <laughs> Giving us the finger, and to this day, we'll open a drawer and there's a picture of her middle finger. They open up a book because we thought we found them all, but like every few months, we'll lift up a computer to clean it or something, and there's one under the computer. And so we just found. (laughs) He's telling me all about it. I said, "That's her."
1: Oh, it was good. I was like, they're gonna be finding these forever. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they still are, man. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, th- I think they moved offices. Maybe they might. Have, they might have finally found them all. Who knows? But man, talk about the gift that keeps on giving.
1: Oh, so good. Oh, every time I pull out a client folder, I just boop. <laughs> <laughs> I was never made for office work, so I had to like be really creative about like how I entertained myself because like, I I wanted to be a good employee, but I had like I had to have like an outlet because yeah. sitting at a desk all day. Not for you. I loved working for them. They were so nice and like like he's a really really awesome dude. But man, like day in and day out answering phones. I was uh-uh. just like, oh my God. <laughs> 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 file another one. It was like my stress release. Every time I got like really worked up, I was just like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna file some middle fingers. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good.
0: All right, man, you're awesome. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. I think it's really important that, uh, you know, just teachers have a reminder of what, you know, what, what life is like for a lot of kids outside of that typical, you know, successful student teacher reality. You're awesome. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me, Hal. Yeah, you're a badass. Give it up. Don't even reach for it. <laughs>